0: down,
1: harvest again,
2: you're Rest. And, you round. and round, you're and round, and round, and round, cross your heart, and hope to listen to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Good evening, this is Mike, and uh, this, this is this.
0: Office box, a box of chocolates. Would I know to stay away? What oh, said Hand off box, a box of chocolates. Would I eat them anyway? Cause every time I have half a mind to leave you, babe, that means I have half a mind to stay.
2: It's Pandora's Lunchbox and WCBN FM, Ann Arbor. Good evening. This is Mike. Pandora's Lunchbox is a show about food and culture every Thursday evening at six thirty. And now it's time for summer story time. I think this is the first summer story time I've done on this show. This is a story with narration, with original music, all of the above, and food is a theme. Dinner is a theme, and there's a lesson by Gum, because this is WCBN and that's what we're all about. We're about to hear The Elephant's Child. The story is read by Jack Nicholson. It features original music by Bobby McFerrin. And it goes a little something like this. Here's a little Bobby McFerrin to start things off. The Elephant's Child. That's not Bobby. Here's Bobby. Here's <laughs> Bobby.
1: The elephant, oh, best beloved, had no trunk. He had only a blackish, bulgy nose as big as a boot that he could wriggle about from side to side, but he couldn't pick up things with it. But there was one elephant, a new elephant, an elephant's child, who was full of insatiable curiosity. And that means he asked ever so many questions. And he lived in Africa and filled Africa with his insatiable curiosities. He asked his tall aunt, the ostrich, why her tail feathers grew just so, and his tall aunt, Ostrich, spanked him with her hard, hard claw. He asked his tall uncle, the giraffe, what made his skin spotty, and his tall uncle, the giraffe, spanked him with his hard, hard hoof. And still, He was full of insatiable curiosity. He asked his broad aunt, the hippopotamus, why her eyes were red and his broad aunt, the hippopotamus, spanked him with her broad, broad hoof. And he asked his hairy uncle, the baboon, why melons tasted just so, and his hairy uncle, the baboon, spanked him with his hairy, hairy paw. And still, he was full of insatiable curiosity. He asked questions about everything he saw, or heard, or felt, or smelt, or touched, and all his uncles and aunts spanked him. And still he was full of insatiable curiosity. One fine morning in the middle of the procession of the equinoxes this insatiable elephant's child asked a new fine question that he had never asked before. He asked, what does the crocodile have for dinner? Then everybody said, hush, in a loud and dreadful tone, and then they spanked him immediately and directly without stopping for a long time. By and by, when that was finished, he came upon a colo-colo bird sitting in the middle of a wait-a-bit thorn bush and said, My father has spanked me, my mother has spanked me, and all my aunts and uncles have spanked me for my insatiable curiosity, and I still want to know what the crocodile has for dinner. Then the colo-colo bird said with a mournful cry, Go to the banks of the great, gray, green, greasy Limpopo River, all set about with fever trees, and find out.
2: (laughs) ¶¶¶¶
1: That very next morning, when there was nothing left of the equinoxes because the procession had proceeded according to precedent, this insatiable elephant's child took a hundred pounds of bananas, the little short red kind, and a hundred pounds of sugar cane, the long purple kind, and seventeen melons, the green crackly kind, and said to all his dear families, "Goodbye." I'm going to the great grey-green, greasy Limpopo River, all set about with fever trees to find out what the crocodile has for dinner. And they all spanked him once more for good luck, though he asked them most politely to stop. Then he went away a little warm, but not at all astonished, eating melons and throwing the rind about because he could not pick it up. He went from Grahamstown to Kimberley, and from Kimberley to Kama Country, and from Kama Country he went east by north, eating melons all the time, till at last he came to the banks of the great gray green greasy Limpopo River, all set about with fever trees, precisely as the Colo Colo bird had said. Now, you must know and understand, oh, best beloved, that till that very week and day and hour and minute, this insatiable elephant's child had never seen a crocodile and did not know what one was like. It was all his insatiable curiosity. The first thing that he found was a bicolored python rock snake curled round a rock. "'Excuse me,' said the elephant's child, most politely, "'but have you seen such a thing as a crocodile in these promiscuous parts?' "'Have I seen a crocodile?' said the bicolored python rock snake "'in a voice of dreadful scorn. "'What will you ask me next?' Excuse me, said the elephant's child, but could you kindly tell me what he has for dinner? Then the bicolored python rock snake uncoiled himself very quickly from the rock and spanked the elephant's child with his scalesome, flailsome tail. That is odd, said the elephant's child, because... My father and my mother and my uncle and my aunt, not to mention my other aunt, the hippopotamus, and my other uncle, the baboon, have all spanked me for my insatiable curiosity. And I suppose this is the same thing. So he said goodbye very politely to the bicolored python rock snake and helped to coil him up on the rock again and went on, a little warm, but not at all astonished, eating melons and throwing the rind about because he could not pick it up, till he trod on what he thought was a log of wood at the very edge of the great, gray-green, greasy Limpopo River, all set about with fever trees. But it was really the crocodile, O oh, best beloved. And the crocodile winked one eye like this. Excuse me, said the elephant's child most politely. But do you happen to have seen a crocodile in these promiscuous parts? Then the crocodile winked the other eye and lifted half his tail out of the mud, and the Elephant's Child stepped back most politely, because he did not wish to be spanked again. Come hither, little one, said the crocodile. Why do you ask such things? Excuse me, said the Elephant's Child most politely, but My father has spanked me, my mother has spanked me, not to mention my tall aunt, the ostrich, and my tall uncle, the giraffe, who can kick ever so hard, as well as my broad aunt, the hippopotamus, and my hairy uncle, the baboon, and including the bicolored python rock snake with the scalesome, flailsome tail just up the bank who spanks harder than any of them. And so, if it's quite all the same to you, I, I don't want to be spanked anymore. "'Come hither, little one,' said the crocodile, "'for I am the crocodile.' And he wept crocodile tears to show it was quite true. Then the elephant's child grew all breathless and panted and kneeled down on the bank and said, "'You are the very person I've been looking for all these long days. "'Will you please tell me what you have for dinner?' "'Come hither, little one,' said the crocodile.' and I'll whisper. Then the elephant's child put his head down close to the crocodile's musky, tusky mouth, and the crocodile caught him by his little nose, which up to that very weekday hour and minute had been no bigger than a boot, though much more useful. I think, said the crocodile, and he said it between his teeth like this, I think today I'll begin with the Elephant's Child. At this, O oh best beloved, the Elephant's Child was much annoyed, and he said, speaking through his nose like this, Let go, let go, you're hurting me. Then the bicolored python rock snake scuffled down from the bank and said, My young friend, if you do not now immediately and instantly pull as hard as ever you can, it is my opinion that your acquaintance in the large pattern leather ulster, and by this he meant the crocodile, will jerk you yonder into limpid stream before you can say Jack Robin's son. This is the way bicolored python rock snakes always talk. Then the elephant's child sat back on his little haunches and pulled and pulled and pulled and his nose began to stretch and the crocodile floundered into the water, making it all creamy with great sweeps of his tail, and he pulled, and pulled, and pulled. And the elephant's child's nose kept on stretching, and the elephant's child spread all his little four legs and pulled, and pulled, and pulled and his nose kept on stretching, and the crocodile threshed his tail like an oar, and he pulled and pulled and pulled, and at each pull the elephant's child's nose grew longer and longer, and it hurt him aging. Then the elephant's child felt his legs slipping, and he said through his nose, which was now nearly five feet long, This is too much
2: for me. What will happen next? It's WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. You're listening to The Elephant's Child by Rudyard Kipling. Originally the story published in 1902, this time being read by Shaq Nicholson with music and wonderful sound effects by Bobby McFerrin. Coming up at 7, it's Face the Music with Wolf, and some beautiful music of Fats Waller at 7 on the show. But now, on with the story.
1: Then the bicolored python rock snake came down from the bank and knotted himself into a double-clove hitch round the elephant child's hind legs and said, Rash and inexperienced traveler, we will now seriously devote ourselves to a little high tension because if we do not, It is my impression that yonder self-propelling man-of-war with armor-plated upper deck, and by this, uh, oh, best beloved, he meant the crocodile, will permanently vitiate your future career. That is the way all bicolored python rock snakes always talk. So he pulled, and the Elephant's Child pulled, and the Crocodile pulled. But the Elephant's Child and the bi-colored python rock snake pulled hardest. And at last, the Crocodile let go of the elephant Child's nose with a plop that you could hear all up and down the Limpopo. Then the Elephant's Child sat down most hard and sudden. But first he was careful to say, Thank you to the bicolored python rock snake. And next he was kind to his poor pulled nose and wrapped it all up in cool banana leaves and hung it in the great gray-green greasy limpopo to cool. What are you doing that for? Said the bicolored python rock snake. Excuse me, said the elephant's child, but my nose is badly out of shape and I'm waiting for it to shrink. Then you will have to wait for a long time, said the bicolored python rock snake. Some people do not know what is good for them. The elephant's child sat there for three days Waiting for his nose to shrink But it never grew any shorter And besides, it made him squint For, oh, best beloved, you will see and understand That the crocodile had pulled it out Into a really, truly trunk Same as all elephants have today At the end of the third day a fly came and stung him on the shoulder And before he knew what he was doing He lifted up his trunk and hit that fly dead with the end of it Vantage number one, said the bicolored python rock snake You couldn't have done that with a mere smear No, Try and eat a little now Before he thought what he was doing, the elephant's child put out his trunk and plucked a large bundle of grass, dusted it clean against his forelegs, and stuffed it into his own mouth. Vantage number two, said the bicolored python rock snake. You couldn't have done that with your mere smear nose. Don't you think the sun is very hot here? It is, said the elephant's child. And before he thought what he was doing, he slooped up a sloop of mud from the banks of the great gray-green greasy limpopo and slapped it on his head, where it made a cool, sloopy, schlossy mud cap all trickly behind the ears. Vantage number three, said the bicolored python rock snake. You couldn't have done that with a mere s- smear nose Now, how do you feel about being s- spanked again? Excuse me, said the elephant's child, but I should not like it at all. How would you like to ssss-spank somebody? Said the bicolored python rock snake. I should like it very much indeed, said the Elephant's Child. Well, said the bi-colored python rock snake, you will find that new nose of yours very useful to spank people with. Thank you, said the Elephant's Child. I'll remember that. And now I think I'll go home to all my dear families and tribes. So the elephant's child went home across Africa, frisking and whisking his trunk. When he wanted fruit to eat, he pulled fruit down from a tree instead of waiting for it to fall, as he used to do. When he wanted grass, he plucked grass up from the ground instead of going on his knees, as he used to do. When flies bit him, he broke off the branch of a tree and used it as a fly whisk, and he made himself a new, cool, slushy, squishy mud cap whenever the sun was hot. When he felt lonely walking through Africa, he sang to himself down his trunk and the noise was louder than several brass bands. out of his way to find a broad hippopotamus. She was no relation of his, and he spanked her very hard to make sure that the bicolored python rock snake had spoken the truth about his new trunk. The rest of the time, he picked up the melon rinds that he had dropped on his way to the Limpopo, for he was a tidy pachyderm. One dark evening, he came back to all his dear families, and he coiled up his trunk and said, How do you do? They were very glad to see him and immediately said, Come here and be spanked for your insatiable curiosity. "Pooh," said the elephant's child. I don't think you peoples know anything about spanking, but I do, and I'll show you. Then he uncurled his trunk and knocked two of his dear brothers' head over heels. ''Oh, bananas!'' said they. ''Where did you learn that trick? And what have you done to your nose?'' ''I got a new one from the crocodile on the banks of the great, grey, green, greasy Limpopo River,'' said the elephant's child. ''I asked him what he had for dinner, and he gave me this to keep.'' ''Looks very ugly.'' Said his hairy uncle the baboon. It does, said the elephant's child. But it's very useful, and he picked up his hairy uncle the baboon by one hairy leg and hove him into a hornet's nest. Then that bad elephant's child spanked all his dear families for a long time till they were very warm and greatly astonished. He pulled out his ostrich-ant's tail feathers. And he caught his tall uncle, the giraffe, by the hind leg and dragged him through a thorn bush. and he shouted at his broad aunt, the hippopotamus, and blew bubbles into her ear when she was sleeping in the water after meals. But he never let anyone touch the Cola Cola bird. At last, things grew so exciting that his dear families went off, one by one, in a hurry to the banks of the great, grey-green, greasy Limpopo River, all set about with fever trees to borrow new noses from the crocodile. they came back nobody spanked anybody anymore and ever since that day oh best beloved all the elephants you will ever see besides all those that you won't have trunks precisely like the trunk of the insatiable elephant's child
2: Thank you. This is Pandora's Lunchbox, and you've been hearing from the Rabbit Ear series, from the book of stories called Just So Stories by Richard Kipling, The Elephant's Child, as read by Jack Nicholson, with original music by Bobby McFerrin, in which what a crocodile wants for dinner makes a difference in the lives of many, many elephants. That means a whole lot to us here on Pandora's Lunchbox. It's just about 8 o'clock or in uh, half a half a half a east of Newfoundland anyway it's 7 o'clock coming up and face the music begins in just a moment with our wolf and thank you for listening to WCBN I've been Mike for a half hour I have a trunk I hope that you do too and I hope you've enjoyed using it for eating melons and whatever it is you need to eat. Coming up, some beautiful music of Fats Waller on WCBN, FM, Ann Arbor. Here's this. Nope, oh, here it is. <phone rings> show every wednesday night from 9 to 11 p.m to hear live in studio performances by local bands records that local bands have made and put out other sorts of information and everything that you need to know to fully appreciate the musical wonder and excitement that is living in ann arbor right here on wcbn fm ann arbor
0: Mike, I want to thank you. This is a delightful broadcast that you did tonight. And good evening. It's 7 o'clock and time for Face the Music. All through the summer of 2014, we're surveying the story of Fats Waller and his legacy. Tonight we're entering into the early 1940s with Fats, and that means we're nearing the end of his primary discography. In fact, next week I'll be airing his V-disc recordings, which were really literally the last things he made in a studio before he passed away at the age of 39 in December of 1943. However, according to the... uh, Principles of what I call postmodern Fats Waller theory, we're able to continue to celebrate Fats Waller for weeks to come. How am I going to do this? Well, we'll be getting into Fats Waller's collaborations with other artists, also his friends and followers, and a lot of what I call parallel artistry. But tonight, like I said, Early 1940s, beginning with this 1940 recording where Fats Waller was sitting in with his friend Eddie Condon and his band. Totally breaking contract. Fats Waller was, for most of his career, a Victor recording artist. And here he is recording for the Commodore Records. Moonlighting. For this reason, he's listed in the personnel as